This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the Custard TV podcast. I hope that you're all well. Welcome to 2024, and we are still going here. Um, it is me, Matt, once again. Uh, we are recording this on New Year's Day. Um, it is just me and Dawn here today because no one else is hardcore enough, Dawn, to, to join us. Yeah, How are you? I'm all right. Thank you very much. No, yeah, no one else is conscious, I suspect. <laughs> Everyone else is in a, a drink. In their pyjamas. Oh, yes. <laughs> in the and... pyjamas, watching Moana, finishing off the toffee pennies in the quality street tin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Getting the last of the of the uh, cheese and crackers down. Exactly. Oh, I've got so much cheese left. Oh. <laughs> the best and the worst on the box. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. This is the Custard TV podcast. We have done our best of the year podcast, which should be out by the time you listen to this. Myself, Dawn and Luke all counted down our top 10 shows of the year and also went through what our contributors uh, gave us their best shows. Uh, we have also got up on the website everybody's lists to uh, peruse. Someone very helpfully as well did some stats for us. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> Well, like a bit of static. Bit of stats. I I think he did it a little bit better than I did, but I was trying to do it sort of live. So, <laughs> yes. um, but thank you uh, to that gentleman. We've had the Christmas TV. Doing any highlights for you, Christmas? I haven't watched a huge amount because I spent a lot of time watching the inside of my eyelids. Uh, being asleep this year. I haven't seen that. Is that Netflix? <laughs> yeah, one of their new avant-garde series. On Christmas Day, I watched uh, Doctor Who and Ghost, the final ever Ghost. Um, well, I tell lie, I didn't actually watch Ghost on Christmas Day. I watched it on Boxing Day. Okay. Top tip, <laughs> yeah. top tip, don't watch it whilst trying to eat a, a, a roast dinner. I was sobbing into my roast dinner oh, okay. as, I, <laughs> as I watched the final ever Ghost because it was sad, but not not like everybody's dead. Happy sad. Not, yeah, happy sad, just as everybody said they are dead. I really enjoyed Doctor Who. I really thought um, Shooty Gat was um, presence is, is you know, it immediately hits you. Mm. Uh, the plot was a bit thin on the ground, uh, but what do you mean a musical sequence with goblins? <laughs> I, I Davina mean, McCall I... almost getting crushed by well, a Christmas well, that's, tree. That's true. That was worth watching. <laughs> Davina McCall, who did not die as the, the, <laughs> <laughs> as the viral tweet goes. I, I really like the chemistry between mm. the movie and the Doctor. I think that's from the start. Is and good. I watched it as well, obviously, and I I um, enjoyed the sort of the fact that this is a foster child who was adopted by a foster mother. Yeah. A lot of focus on that side of things. I hope we get to see the mum again. You know, I, I wasn't expecting to hear about a Section 20 <laughs> in a Doctor Who Christmas special. Also, I am intrigued by Anita Dobson's character. I'm yes. assuming she's going to... Mrs. Flood. Who Mrs. Is Flood. She? When the TARDIS first appears, she's completely baffled by it. And then when the Doctor changes the timeline by going back, that's what changes it. And she knows it's a TARDIS. So mm. what has he changed? and who is she the only other things i watched were the 100th episode of not going out which was its usual fear and uh, i think most people i I saw on twitter 
watched the Carolina Heard tribute. See, I haven't seen that yet, but I've heard all loads of good things about that. Yeah, it was really, really good. I, I definitely learned a lot about her that I didn't know. And I, I think it cut through a lot of the sort of tabloid image of her that, you know, she was just this hard drinking, partying girl. Mm. And I mean, obviously, we've seen a lot of how her success grew from like the fast show and Mrs. Merton and, you know, and how it, but it was more about the, the behind the scenes stuff which I enjoyed in her relationship with Craig Cash and at least once during the program he has to excuse himself because he's too upset so it's very moving but also very informative which you mm. know is, you, you want that kind of thing to be definitely recommend it if, if if you're a fan of her work it's definitely worth watching the piano Christmas special felt very much like someone told them like at the very last minute that they had a Christmas special so. <laughs> all right Let's get back like four people who were on it before crown our Christmas champion. Uh, um, for some reason, Tom Allen and Joe Brand showed up and did fairy tale. <laughs> okay, well that makes it worth tuning in for. I'll definitely go back and watch that on. But they, uh, it was a fun show, but it was one of those where, and it makes me question what they're going to do with the second series. Now everyone knows that they are being watched by. Mika yeah. and, and Lang Lang. The, oh, the um, Mortimer and White House Christmas special. Oh, that yes. was very good. I watched that, yes. Oh, you watched that as well, I did, did you? I did watch that, yes. With, the hun- uh, the... Random appearances from Arabella Weir Arabella. and Claire Grogan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My husband was very pleased by the appearance of Claire Grogan. Mm. She's always been in his, his top ten, so he was delighted by that. All right. So. Christmas TV, you know, it is fairly sort of predictable these days, yeah. but I, I I think we've had quite a lot of decent specials and yeah um, it's a, a few different things that you know that you can rely on your call the midwife and mm. your strictly and whatever but it's good to have a few different yeah um, yeah and it's good to have doctor who back i think as well yes that was definitely I, missing from christmas past i think russell's very much pressed for that to come back hasn't he that was part of his yeah. deal to have it back in the christmas lot and back mm. on saturdays as well instead of you know on sundays Although the big news coming out of it was that the BBC had nine of the ten most watched shows on yes, yes. Christmas Day. The 1% club 1%. was the only I know that. I was really surprised by that. I didn't realise how popular the 1% club was. I mean, it is a good quiz show, but mm. that surprised me. I think maybe because it was on at nine and no one had anything really to watch until East End, <laughs> East End is it? <laughs> At yeah. 9.45, so they were just like, well, let's watch most of the 1% Club, and that probably counted towards its... Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. ...its overall viewing figures. I don't know if it's people have to watch it all the way through, I don't know, but it's just interesting. But again, like, the ratings just generally are... Five, only 5.9 million people watched The King. You know, nowadays, because there's so much other options, people mm. just aren't, aren't watching TV. It's not like we'll watch the royal message and then we'll have dinner or then yeah. we'll do present you know everything yeah. used to surround that didn't that's it? it did yeah that was how you scheduled your day around the 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 queen's speech as it was then um but i don't think people do that now i don't know no. for us it was the top of the pop special that was what we mm. based our christmas day around oh i did watch the top of the pop special oh yeah review Anna. of the year yeah. yeah review of the year delighted to see of the top 10 so- best-selling songs of the year not only had I not heard of the songs, I hadn't heard of the artists of like six of them. <laughs> so um, I'm very out of touch. Yeah, with me the, too, mate. The youth. <laughs> this 
the Custard TV podcast. Let us get on to the reviews. First up, uh, we have The Tourists. This is the second series of the comedy thriller, I would say, from the Williams Brothers. Dawn, did you watch uh, series one at the time? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Do you know, I don't think that they've advertised it very well because I don't think the advertisement, the trailers, um, really captured the comedy elements of it. I think the, the trailer really played it a very straight as a, you know, a thriller. And obviously it is, that's the main part of it. But I think they, they missed how sort of quirky and funny it is. But I was delighted and pleasantly surprised that... um. Elliot ends up with um, Detective Helen Chambers, the plus-sized female. I was like, woohoo! Me and Luke sort of didn't like the fact that they ended up as a couple. I don't think it was her as much as, like, it felt like it was more of a friendship and it felt like it was a bit of a contrivance. Do you, I mean, do you agree with that? Or was this a, were you shipping them throughout the series? Yeah, I was shipping them because I think, you are do have the problem that she is his only friend in the world, as you said. So it seems a bit like, you know, unhealthy attachment kind of thing. You know, that episode where they ended up in the motel room, I thought they did have really good chemistry there. I think it was refreshing because they, they had that storyline with Lucy and, and all her other names, uh, Victoria, Emma, Jerry. You know, that was what you expected was the, for her to be his, his love interest, the very traditionally beautiful looking woman and her she was as adventurous as him and as mysterious and whatever that would be predictable for that to have this relationship so for him to end up with Helen for that to be a romantic relationship where she was the cop and he's the killer so that was quite um I I, I thought it was surprising rather than you know predictable and I, and, I, and I liked it yeah I thought that was good this um, second series uh, is set 14 months after the events of Series 1. Series 1 ended with Elliot trying to basically take an overdose after finding out some things about himself. It feels like when it starts, Elliot and Helen are on some sort of a gap year, mm-hmm. <laughs> travelling through Asia by train and smoking weed. Um, Helen tells Elliot that they received a letter from a supposed friend in Ireland so the pair decide to journey back see if they can learn more about who Elliot was before he lost his memory they go to this sort of seaside cafe Elliot is growing this really sort of long beard that Helen does not like at all so as you do <laughs> Elliot just decides to go and shave in like a wash basin in a public toilet while he's there, he's kidnapped by three masked assailants. Um, Helen soon realises that he's gone missing. Uh, the assailants turn out to be a, a trio of siblings whose family have got like a, is it like a whiskey-making business. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Helen reports Elliot to um, DS Rory Slater, who is the guarder, who seems quite a nice guy. He's sort of a bit fond of Helen. But we find out a very sort of weird uh, thing about him later on. We've also got more trouble for Helen when um, one of the best characters from series one, Ethan, her former fiancé, turns up being a self-help guru and doing something called Ned Talks. He endeavours to sort of try and make amends with uh, Helen by jetting off to Ireland to reunite with her. So there's all these different elements 
there's a lot going on, as there was in uh, Series 1. Uh, Dawn, what were your thoughts on this? Obviously, it gets going very quickly, as you say, when, when Elliot goes into the, the bathroom and, it, and is taken. There's a lot of him trying to escape from this uh, the McDonald family, which I think maybe spent too too long on that. I was like, but like, what's the point of them escaping and then being recaptured? I um, think it's the, com- the comedy. The comedy, is that, yes. With the uh, don't get me wrong playing in the background. <laughs> yes. uh, I did like that aspect of it and his um, oh, it's his world weary. It made me think of the uh, the game Uncharted, where the character is you know a very action guy, but he just keeps going. Oh no, I've got to do something physical. Uh, the comedy was really good. The whole bit where where the the uh, assailants are capturing him and he's saying it's Costa sent you. It's Costa, you know, fr- from the first series. Costa was the bad guy, and they're like, why would a coffee shop be interested in you? <laughs> Which I thought was very good. And it certainly has built up an enough of a uh, interest in his backstory, what's going on in Ireland, a lot of questions about his past where he's come from and, and his upbringing and how involved he is in crime throughout his life. That's you know why he's ended up doing this drug smuggling that he believed he was doing from uh, Lena Pascal when he met her. Uh, Rory is a very interesting character from the first time we see him where he's crying in the bathroom and he takes off his wedding ring and throws it into the toilet and then changes his mind and takes it out of the toilet. Is, and it, and the toilet has recently been used. Let's yes, just say, and not flushed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the best part of it is how much comedy there is in it. Um, considering it is a thriller, you know, even the like the siblings that are the McDonalds are very sort of not quite um Mark's brothers, but there is that you know the comedy element of the the smart one, the quiet one, the violent one. Was it Donald McDonald or something? Donald like McDonald, yes, which Elliot thought was quite entertaining. And I, I'm glad they brought Ethan back. I thought I did not expect that at all. One of my favourite moments of the first series is still him saying, delusions of grandeur. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. he says it several times. <laughs> yeah, And he is a classic character, a brilliant character. Um, So I'm, I'm so intrigued to see how he is going to be involved in it because you know if he was involved in in all the the dramatic the thriller type stuff it certainly lends a very interesting angle Mm. to it to have somebody like that involved in crime i I think they've they've done it well because i think a lot of people you know when they said it was coming back from a second series were like well how um Mm. so obviously moving it to ireland is has been a good thing for it and obviously it allows you to explore a lot of his past again beautiful visuals you know obviously we had that with australia and now we've got um ireland i know that i've seen jamie dornan on several talk shows basically saying there wasn't meant to be a second one but then everyone watched the (laughs) (laughs) so so we had to do what i think i've seen him both on graham norton and the one show basically saying the same (laughs) that it was the most i think the most watched show of 2022 all right. So yeah. the BBC have basically said, "Yeah, you need to do some. You need to do another one, <laughs> yeah. even though it's hard to make a second series of something you envisioned as a one-off thing." Really, I mean, yeah. 
they obviously got to make Boat Story off the back of that. I don't. Did you watch all of Boat Story? I did watch all of Boat Story. Yes. Reading the press notes for that, that they wanted to make that sort of bigger than the tourist in terms of the violence and the humor. I mean, how did you get on with Boat Story? Because yeah. I didn't finish it. I yeah, I liked it. I think it kind of faded a bit. I know Luke went you know, felt the same way as it went on. It didn't live up to the expectation of the first mm. episode, but I did enjoy it. I thought the comedy element worked all the way through and it was very bloody mm. violent in a visual way. Um, gory, that's the word I'm looking for. But I, I think I can see the same yeah. spine of it, the same mm. type of comedy, the same character and, and sort of absurdity with the violence. I just think when you've got a character like Helen Chambers who's so endearing and so, you know, you just yeah. want to be on her side. It's Danielle McDonald, isn't it, the yeah, actress? And right, she yeah. is, fan- she's an American actress primarily. I think she's Australian, but American based. But maybe. Yes, yeah, because she did um, um, Dumpling with um, Jennifer Aniston, which was the first thing I saw her in. I mean, she sort of is the glue here. She's the audience proxy. Um, and we've sort of seen her grow as a character mm-hmm. over the two series and and here just brilliant and sort of I mean she was a little bit sidelined throughout this first episode yes. she didn't get a great deal to do um other than sort of asking people questions so the yes. could catch her. it was very much like Elliot and Helen were background players so we got to know like everyone else who we were yeah. introducing but yeah no I enjoyed it it made you know it made me laugh a lot that sequence where he sort of escapes and then's recaptured <laughs> as you say the oh yeah. god with the with the pretenders blaring in the background and the stuff as well with the, the Garda guy just finding out he's creepier and what he's... Yes. And we still don't know what's happened in terms of his marriage either, which is interesting. No, yeah, I would say, but I suspect I understand what that um, is about. But it's it's very clever the way they go through the episode with him. Each time you see him, you think something different is happening in his life. And you think, oh, this is his situation. And he go, oh, no, it's not. And then, mm. you know which is a very well done. you see done. him go back and he's with his mum and you think, oh, yeah. he's had to go back home. And then... Yes, yes. And then and there's then... something going on downstairs in the, in the ba- yes. basement. And <laughs> you think, is he involved with the... Yeah, it's just like you think something... down. that's the clever thing about the writing in this as well, is that they can do yeah. that with the characters. And the, the older female character that you talked about as well, she does something quite extreme <laughs> towards the end extreme, of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> That you don't see coming. Yeah. Uh, Nor did the person. (laughs) I just hope it doesn't sort of descend into something similar to Kin, which we want, you know, like an Irish crime drama. I hope it keeps that sort of tone. And I think with the characters they've introduced, obviously with Ethan coming over into it, with another thread from um, series one as well that they introduced. I've got high hopes for this. I really enjoyed the first series and... Let's hope not enough people watch it so it doesn't come back for a third series. <laughs> Why can't things just end when people want them to end? <laughs> yes. Unless they just do what they did with Vigil and just dump it, like, just before Christmas. And I, I didn't hear anyone at no, all talking about no. Vigil. No, and, and it was on over basically one week, wasn't it? So it was sort I, of... It, it was on, t- no, it was over two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. And they sort of staggered the iPlayer release as well because it was on like Sunday to Tuesday for two weeks and you could watch the first three episodes one Sunday and the first three episodes (laughs) on iPlayer. And it it just seemed like, why are you doing this? Because it just tells people you've got no faith in... Yeah, yeah, what you've made. 
it's but these are ones I think that got the viewers on the iPlayer. I think certainly like the tourists yeah. got a lot of eyeballs on the iPlayer. But again, I mentioned this on the um, best of the year that we probably would be talking about this more if everyone was watching it one a week yes. and we could talk yeah. about these theories. You know, like you've got this theory about yes, the yeah, exactly. You could have watched it all by this evening and know if you're right or not. Whereas it's like you know, yeah. It's... it's a shame. It it loses the build up. When it's a thriller, especially, it really loses that mystery element mm. when it's all on. Because I already saw a headline, you know, what happens at the end of the tourist, you know, you know, that mm. they're already saying, What's the chances of season three? And you don't want to be seeing that stuff when you haven't even watched When it hasn't even been on Yeah. <laughs> proper telly. Proper yet. telly, exactly. <laughs> if hijack had been on all mm-hmm. to binge all at once. I don't think I would have had the same no, yeah, reaction I... to it. It was that anticipation and us talking about, and the same with the after party and happy Val, you know, succession, yeah. talking about it every week before the next one came on. And that's part of what TV should be. And I know we're obviously of the arcane generation that we're <laughs> not appealing to anymore, but I think it makes it more special, I think, if you are... Yeah like watching something weekly. I mean, I probably will binge this quite quickly. I did the first series because I just think it is very well written and very Moorish. But I, you know, I I think it would stay with me more yes. if I was watching it over six weeks rather than two or three days. So if you haven't seen the first series, you'll check that out as well. But as I just mentioned, The Tourist, it's all there on iPlayer now or Sunday nights. Also, uh, premiering tonight on uh, ITV one we have got uh, Mr Bates versus the post office ITV now seem to have a tradition on their first drama of the year being a based on a true story we had if you remember uh, last year dawn we had Stonehouse mm-hmm. um and I believe the year before was Anne uh, with Maxine Peak this one is the story of one of the biggest miscarriages of justice in UK history this being the accusation of sub-postmasters stealing money from their post office branches. The losses were later attributed to faults in the uh, post office's online horizon systems. We start by meeting the titular Alan Bates, who's played by Toby Jones, who, along with his partner Suzanne, who's played by uh, Julie Hesmanhall, uh, are removed from the post office by the auditors. Essentially, Alan has noticed that these losses have been occurring and he is not responsible for them. So he has not been signing the balance sheets to say he is responsible for the money and therefore he is being kicked out of his post office. And he and Suzanne basically lose their entire livelihoods and move and have to start again. Uh, But Alan, in the back of his mind, knows that he's going to have to sort of use this again is taking all the paperwork and all the records he's got with him to this new house. We then are introduced to um, other sub-postmasters who have also um, had their lives changed. We've got Monica Dolan as Joe. Her post office, come cafe, come shop, is the centre of her community. We see her coming on screen with some freshly baked cakes when we first meet her like full of joy and enthusiasm and that joy and enthusiasm slowly lapses over the course of the first episode as these losses start to appear on her system. 
she doesn't understand sort of accounting or computers or anything like this. And again, is told that she's got a large debt that she can't repay. Uh, we've also got Will Meller as as Lee, uh, again, who has noticed these losses and is desperately trying to get someone to come to his branch to conduct an audit. But once again, he is blamed and sort of vilified in his local community. His children get bullied at school because there's accusations that he's stolen money from older people. And it's only at the end of the episode that, that these postmasters learn that they're not the only person that this has happened to. And Alan helps them to band together to start sort of fighting back against the post office. When we, you, you say, you know, ITV do a lot of these true story things, and a lot of those true stories, the central characters are somebody who's committing a crime or somebody a bit unusual, you know, as the, the canoe, the, the man, the canoe, his wife and all that. Uh, <laughs> the canoe and his wife. The, yeah, the man, the man, the canoe and his wife. Uh, that was what that was called. Um, <laughs> they normally feature somebody who has some element of their life where they are different or outlandish or whatever. But this is very, very normal people thrust into a, a horrible situation. From the start, they do such a good job of feeling how utterly hopeless and baffled they are, especially Monica Dolan's character, uh, Joe. You know, you feel for her so much as she's sitting there in the post office with these reams of paperwork and a computer that she doesn't understand um, and, you know, calling the helpline and them saying, oh, if you just press this and press that, uh, and then that'll fix it. And she does that and it doubles the amount that she's owed. Because it's not a lot of exciting stuff going on, there's not explosions and car chases, it's all just numbers. It really focuses on the feeling of those sub-postmasters who feel that this thing is spiralling out of control in their hands and they don't know what to do about it. Then you have Toby Jones' character, who is the sort of quietly confident that he knows this is not my fault this is you know I know that I didn't do anything wrong and he's determined to do something about it so you can see that you know why it's named after him and I, the court case that eventually comes is named um he's the named person um and he's the this the hero of the piece because he is the only one who has the self-belief and confidence and understanding to know I've not done anything wrong I've not taken any money this is not my doing. This is the computer. And I have to say, I really liked the way they kept focusing on the Horizon computers with a little beeping light. It just made it feel like this ominous... Like it was like... HAL in 2001. Yeah. That's basically <laughs> yeah. what they were doing, wasn't it? It was totally what they were doing. It's this ominous presence in the room. Um, you know, it's the bad guy here. Um, and, and I think it makes you feel so awful for them <laughs> you know in, in an entertaining way obviously but when they're on the, the phone to the helpline and the, the person say no one else has got a problem and mm. you know and you just think oh how horrific for them because we've all gone through a situation where you feel really hopeless you feel no one's listening to you um and they get that feeling across well um and i'm is it four episodes it is in total yeah it's it's a nightly thing and it, again it's all up on itbx now yeah, so I'm assuming, you know, as they go through, it'll, it'll focus more on the court side and how they manage to, to prove it. But I think this first episode does a, does a really good job of putting us in their shoes 
and and making it clear how life destroying this is that that these people are not just you know there's something gone wrong you've lost your job as you say that will mailer's character is completely vilified and people all around them you think oh this upstanding person has has stolen money there and there's another character noel who um we see who's 59 years old and has worked for the post office for something like 48 years and he goes mm. to prison because of this um and and how horrific a, a concept that is for something he had didn't do this upstanding citizen and, and um, a man reaching retirement age is then facing imprisonment they've done a good job with something which is not on paper very exciting to talk about you know because mm-hmm. it's all computer based um they've managed to make it an interesting story you need to feel that anger as well that they yeah. you know you you've got to have the you know the sympathetic characters really who are the the Monica Dolan character who is this you know you just see her and helping this little old lady with a pension book and yeah coming in with the cakes and you're like you this this is a lovely lady we you know we do not want anything happening to her it's something we can all relate to like being in debt how that is going yeah. to affect us what can we do and when the debt is the fault of a computer system which has been put in place by an organisation who are represented by, as, as Alan calls them early on, thugs in suits. Yeah. Um, you know, they all, the, they're very, like, the villains are represented by people who come in, like, three or four black cars, all in suits, all mar- these auditors, you know, with yep. their like, suitcases and stuff and just telling these people they've got massive debts. I don't know if you know this about me, Dawn, but I used to work for the post office. Oh, no, I didn't know that. No, no. For about five, five and a half years. Um, I didn't really know about this until after they got rid of They had got rid of Horizon while I was there. So we were still using Horizon. But it wasn't a story I had really heard all that much. But there were certain bits in this where I was like, oh, that, you know, the opening scene where they're at Alan's post office and the auditors come in and someone says... There is a queue. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and when uh, Alan says later on, thank you know, thank you for waiting, waiting. and things like that. And yeah, so even that. like the receipts that Will Mellor's looking through, it's like, yeah, th- those are like proper they've they've done their research, like balancing always took place on a Wednesday. That's why, you know, yeah. Joe says I hate yes, that's I why hate I hate Wednesdays. Wednesdays. So yeah. obviously they've had like, you know, they've done their research. It does feel quite true to life. I think the fight for justice is what's what was in the news a lot more than when it was happening. I think yeah. that was, and I think that's what's being said here that Alan tried his best to get the story out there, and nobody wanted to listen until like something else happens. And now we've got what was it? Was it like Computer Weekly? Computer <laughs> Weekly, yeah, they're the only ones that pick it up because it's a computer issue. And the actual mm. news isn't isn't interesting because because each person does believe it, they're the only person that it's happening to. There's no reason for them to think that that, that um a national newspaper whatever is going to pick this up. You're saying about the ITV sort of true life drama thing. I mean, Anne, which was on two years ago, was very similar in terms of mm. fighting for justice. But even that had you know you had your dramatic early on scene with the Hillsborough disaster yeah. and things like that and. As you say, this is very much people-based, sympathising with these characters early on. So we follow them through the fight, the several-year fight and stuff, and the fight for power. And I think these 
themes are very prevalent at the moment you know that people being in debt people fighting against those in authority the way so many decisions now are based on what technology tells us and i think that again is the thing as you say the the villain of the piece is this blinking light in the horizons <laughs> But no, I mean, I think it was really powerful. And I think those, I mean, the actors that they've got in this, so, you know, you can't really go wrong when you've got Toby Jones, Monica Dolan, Julie Hasman Hall, yeah. uh, people like that. And it's a very British drama as well, I think. As yes, well. I really, think, you yeah. Know, it's, it, you, you know, you've got all these different areas of the country where people have been affected. And I think they pulled that off quite well. So definitely one to check out. Um, and ITV as ever with these dramas have also got a the real story sort of documentary on, I believe it's Thursday night, but that's also on ITVX now as well. So I think that's a thumbs up from both myself yes, and, and Dawn. And now we move on to something completely different on, our, <laughs> yes. on Channel 4, uh, their first drama of the year. This is True Love. Uh, this has come from the people behind the end of the effing world. Uh, it's got Lindsay Duncan in it. I don't know if you know this, Dawn, that it was originally meant to be Julie Walters in this oh, lead role. Oh, no, I didn't know that, no. So, yeah, so has she been ill, Julie Walters, recently? Oh, um, yeah, perhaps that's Yeah, so it was originally meant to be Julie Walters. Now, uh, though, Lindsay Duncan plays Phil, who's a retired police inspector. We first see her holding, was it a recently fired gun? Yes. Yeah. And it's a spray of blood. And then... And then 12 months earlier. <laughs> it's the first Luke special of the year, everyone. Yes. Um, uh, she reunites uh, with some old friends at a, a funeral of a mutual acquaintance, uh, Dennis. We meet her old flame slash unrequited love, uh, an SAS veteran, Ken, who's played by uh, Clark Peters, who's probably best known uh, to most as Lester Freeman from The Wire. We meet uh, other friends as well. We've got Tom, who's played by uh, Carl Johnson, who probably most people know from uh, Mum. I believe Sue Johnson's character, Marion, is Tom's sister. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And then her husband is played by Peter Egan. They go to a pub after the funeral and get gradually uh, drunker. The five basically make a pact that they won't let any of the others um, suffer long illnesses before death and instead pledge to kill each other in the name of true love if any of them asks. Shockingly, eight months later, Tom <laughs> is diagnosed with cancer and um, asks Phil and Ken to help him end his life. Initially, they decline, but Tom um, fails to take his own life. Uh, the pair then have a change of heart. But how will their ultimate decision change things going forward? Now, this was very different in tone, given the themes going on as well. There was some comedy, some things to say about growing old. What do, what do you think, Dawn, of this? Yeah, I, I wish I'd had more time because I really would have liked to have watched um, mm. more than one episode of to it. To see where it would go because to this see, is... Yes, yeah. that's exactly what... I don't mm. know where it's going to go. I assume mm. something will go wrong and there's police becomes involved mm. because the fact that um, Phil is a, an ex-police woman and she's the the expert in covering it up is what they say, you know, he'll, she'll cover it up. Um, so I would, I wish I could have watched the second episode, but I just didn't have time this week because I think that's where it all hangs on. How interesting is it going to be? Is it, is it six episodes? This, this? I think it's, yeah, it's six episodes. I believe it's three lots of Wednesday, Thursdays. 
Oh, right. Okay. There is a scene, though, in the trailer with the four remaining members of the group on a beach throwing ashes, which I would say we would assume. Yes. That. Yes. It uh, has an interesting start, but it does feel like this first episode is all set up, letting us know about the relationship between Phil and Ken. And, and we should say that Phil is married. She um has has a husband at home, um and she almost sleeps with with Ken at the bye bye Phil Davis. Yes, Phil Davis. Him and his their daughter have conspired that they're going to remortgage their house and move into a bungalow so that their daughter has money post divorce. And Phil doesn't want to move into a bungalow because she thinks that's growing old and you know you you become very old and boring. So she's obviously we see her like driving a. Uh, you know, a convertible car and smoking. She's very kind of cool and obviously wants to be adventurous and wants to live life to its fullest. Yeah, and... They use quite a lot of different... What's the song that they... I can't remember the song they used to introduce oh, her. Oh, no, but... I can't remember either, but yeah. But the me... music she listens to is very sort of cool 60s music, isn't it, yeah. as well? So we get an yeah. idea of this character. And obviously the the fact that Ken is, has this, you know, he's this smooth American who, who's SES. You know, he's obviously got this very mysterious life that he hasn't been able to talk about clearly. You know, that appeal to Phil is is, is very evident. Um, they, they do have good chemistry together. I was interested in their scenes. We barely saw Sue Johnson's character and Peter Regan's character. So I, I, I'm intrigued to see how they fit into it. Um, if they become involved in the 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 cover up of of a death, or if somebody else dies and it it starts you know, picking them off one by one, I don't. That's know. what it feels like. Yeah. you would think, given how many episodes we've got yes. left. Yeah, I, I can't imagine this is just all over Tom's death. So I do think it's going to come down to that, and there's obviously going to be more to it. Uh, Peter Egan, I think they said he's a doctor. So there's obviously all these branches relating to death that they're all connected to, um, which are, are, are I'm sure going to come into play as as it went on. Great, I mean it's a, a cast of people. You know that they could all play these kind of shows in their sleep. All of them, they're all so experienced and and have that presence on screen to make it interesting. But I think it's it's going to be all about what happens next. Does it become like a crime thing or does it is it does it keep a sort of personal um as you say about aging is it does it still keep is that the core story about aging and how we as a, a society deal with people close to death or people who are terminally ill and and is is that the the thing or does it become a, a legal thing about you know let's go on the run with a gun um why does she have a gun and she's got a blood splatter on her face uh, in the the flash forward, so I'm interested mm. to know perhaps if there's secrets that they uh, uncover that they they don't really say that in the trailer, but in, in these kind of dramas, that's often the way of it, isn't it? That these high tension situations uncover secrets about their past that come to light. So perhaps her time as a as a policewoman, there was some other story going on related to that, which comes up. I don't know. I wish it had longer to see where it's going. But I am mm. intrigued to see where it's going, so that's a good good sign. It's certainly a unique drama, isn't it? I yeah. think having the primary cast are all older actors yeah. and the themes are about ageing and how we treat older people in the community. As you say, Phil and her husband are moving to a bungalow where she says, you know, it goes 
bungalow hospice cemetery <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And we see Ken on his own with a microwavable meal for one. So it's either, you, you know, that's yours or you're stuck in like a slightly like loveless marriage like we see with Peter Egan and Sue Johnston. And Phil basically says, we gave it another shot, this marriage. So there was obviously something, you know, he mm-hmm. mentions Ken, doesn't he, Phil Davis? Yeah. Like, was Ken there? Yeah. Like, they, he obviously knows something's happened there. And these characters are, I think, well-drawn. Certainly mm-hmm. Phil and Ken are very well-drawn. I think Lindsay Duncan was amazing. And, you know, and yeah. as you say, her chemistry with, with Clark Peters as well. I think it's one where I hope they keep up this theme of how older people feel in this society i think you know we've got an increasingly aging population because you know people aren't dying Mm -hmm. younger but you know how do we treat these older people and how you know how do they keep their dignity when they start to get these illnesses the cancer and what have you and um i thought carl johnson as well was brilliant as was yeah um tom and their scenes together on the boat i thought were brilliant i'm like you i want to see where they go with it next, what's the follow-up to what happens? Because we've had the inciting incident. Mm-hmm. What is the follow-up going to be? We know now that there's a four-month period between what happens to Tom and where we see Phil with the mm-hmm. gun. So what what's happening in, the, in this intervening period? But certainly a strong start for this one, a memorable start. And I'm keen to see where it goes. So, yeah. So that is True Love. Wednesday and Thursday nights on Channel 4. And finally, um, something that w- uh, was on, I believe, Friday, all episodes are available now on Sky Max, is uh, based on a true story. Another Luke special here, Dawn. Yes. Uh, we've got a character played by uh, Stranger Things, is Natalia Dyer, um, on the phone with a friend, doing a bit of, online exercise sort of peloton-esque mm. thing uh, and then he's is murdered in her home we then flash back i think it's two weeks this one yeah we meet ava and nathan uh that is i can never say her name kaylee cuoco and uh chris messina ava is a pregnant real estate agent struggling to get a sale while nathan is a uh, former tennis pro uh, who uh, once beat roger federer but is now faced with the prospect of losing his position at a prestigious country club to in favour of a younger colleague. As the pair goes on, uh, we see cracks start to form in their marriage. We also learn that Ava is really into true true crime podcasts, talks about them with her friends, and is obsessed with the case of the West Side Ripper, who's a serial killer who operates in the local neighbourhood and may well have been the killer of the uh, young woman that we see at the start of the episode. The couple learn in the sort of the later moments of the episode that they might actually know who the serial killer is, but decide not to call the police to report it and instead uh, want to interview him for their own true crime podcasts, uh, which they intend to use to solve their money woes. Obviously, some allusions here to uh, something like Only Murders in the Building, but yeah, so what what do you think, Dawn, to, to based on a true story? Yeah, that was obviously the, the immediate comparison is is it only murders in the building. But in terms of feel, it made me think of Dead to Me, the Christina Applegate um series. It has that same very uh, dark comedy, 
obviously these these people are desperate to you know and let let me just tell them there ain't no money in podcasts. <laughs> my experience, but there's you know there's maybe if you interviewed a serial killer, Dawn. Oh, okay, you know, does have that quirky feel. This is you know like only murders in the building. Uh, that same comedy. I like them as a, as a couple. I found them believable as a a couple who are just hanging on by the skin of their teeth to their their marriage and a neat feeling of of impotence in the world that he's you know he's, he talks about he's approaching 50 and he's passed over for a younger model and he's just not reached his potential in life and how that's, that's left him feeling and especially when he befriends this younger guy who's you know full of life and and and, and exciting and they start going out and going to do playing darts very thrilling thing to do apparently <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I th- I thought it was very interesting, and I- I'm interested to to see how it devolves. I did watch two episodes of this because it was only thirty minutes. I was I was able to to watch the second episode to to see where it goes after mm. they they approach the person to take part in it. I, the other show it reminded me of actually was Santa Clarita Diet. The okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Drew Barrymore. I thought mm. it was like that where something which starts off quite simple obviously becomes more and more complicated and they'll go further and further in their depth that they, they, they stoop to keep this going I suspect obviously they're going to start blurring their own moral lines of what they do to keep this going to keep the podcast going and keep the the, the serial killer on the line but not arrested and podcasting obviously is the MacGuffin of the of the moment, um, and it, it seems quite um an overplayed thing, but I, but I can see how this would work, um, and especially the built-in well that you know the Eva is a, an expert in it. it. It's not just hey, let's do a podcast. She is really interested in in true crime podcasts and listen to them all the time, so she knows what she's doing. I really liked Kaylee Coco. I mean, I I, I liked Big Bang Theory, and I always liked her, and I think she's. Even though she's so beautiful and and always is seen as the sort of leading lady type, she has a, a next door girl essence about her, which makes her feel really approachable and and realistic. And so you feel that even though she is this gorgeous person, she just feels a bit rubbish. And because she's pregnant, mm. she feels unattractive and she's unable to sell houses. And you know, with another uh, glamorous actress, you might think, yeah, whatever. But I think it works with her. I believe the her as a character living in a in a yeah. Building. She's got like a goofiness to her, yes, hasn't she? That's it. Yeah, goofiness. That's exactly it. You know, I can believe she has a leaking toilet that she can't get fixed. Uh, she has a younger sister living with her, which I'm sure is going to become involved in it to some extent. So it's interesting to see why is her sister living with her. What's their backstory? Although she's at college, the sister, isn't she? She's yeah, gone yeah. back to college, so she's sort of staying with her over summer break or whatever. That's yes, the... yeah. But I'm, I'm assuming that's to allow somebody else who's going to get involved. They don't want to drag her into it, but well. And I'm assuming this was when Kaylee Coco was really pregnant, and that perhaps is why uh, they wrote that in because it doesn't seem like the pregnancy is key to the plot. So um, mm. I'll be interested to see where, if that becomes key. So are you continuing on with it then? Dawn, yeah, yeah, think? I think I would. Yeah, definitely. I would continue. Yeah. yeah. I just, I couldn't get on with this myself. 
I think it's one of those sort of middle class problems shows that, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that I struggled with. I, I just couldn't take to either of these these characters really. I think that was part of it. Even though I do, you know, as you said with Katie Cuoco, I find her really likable and and endearing. Even when she's playing like the flight attendant, yeah. and it's not a particularly nice character. These people just didn't stop moaning. Really, that was. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like a lot of the dialogue didn't really ring true for me. Like when she's there with her friends and they're all talking about how they're having affairs mm. and they know that their husbands are having affairs. None of that really rang true for me, really. And yeah, the, I... like the Natalia Dyer character just felt like a bit of a thinly drawn, we need someone to be a victim who's <laughs> had some sort of interaction with these characters the being replaced for the younger model. Yeah, I found him, the Christmas Cena character, just a bit moany and a bit, as you say, <laughs> going through this sort of midlife crisis, feeling impotent, being replaced. Nothing about it worked for me. And then the the sort of the twist at the end where they're like, yeah, let's just try and interview this serial. You know, it's... Yeah. I could see where they were going, going to, but I think obviously with the other shows that we've mentioned have done like these sort of high concept shows but done them a lot better so mm -hmm. yeah I, I agree with that I think the stuff with her friends was the weakest bit I agree with mm. that I, I didn't find her friend group believable nor their conversations believable so that I agree with that 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 was definitely the weakest part of it uh, but I can see this being sort of like a maybe a binge for people I think mm -hmm. you know if you just want to sort of sit down and watch and I think Sky did well putting it on sort of in the sort of the mid point between Christmas and New Year I could see people just watching this going through all eight episodes maybe yeah. I'm not sure and as you say they're only about sort of 40 minutes in length so not devoting a lot of time to each one really so I can see this being a binge rather than mm -hmm. picking apart each individual episode like I've just done um but yeah that is all there now on Sky Max I believe Friday nights um or on uh, now as well Dawn, do you want to uh, go through where people can find you again? You can find me on Twitter. I refuse to call it X. Uh, at Dawn Glenn 2 uh, or on Instagram and threads and Blue Yonder at Ikaloshu, which is I-K-K-L-E-O-S-U. And I'm at Matt's TV Bytes on uh, Twitter. At Luke Custody TV is Luke and at Custody TV Pod is the website. We can also be found on Instagram. It's the Custody TV on uh, Facebook, uh, just the Custard TV and um, Custard TV reviews at gmail.com on the email. Next week, Dawn, we're doing Julia series two. Yes, hurrah! <laughs> um, and also ITV drama After the Flood. Um, but until then, uh, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. <laughs>